0: This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news... Looking to maximize your ROI and reach high intent customers? PerformCB is the user acquisition partner you need. As a top-rated growth partner with leading brands, PerformCB provides no spend limits, minimum buys or hidden fees, tactical media execution and management from industry experts... Premium ad inventory across 26 channels on a pay-for-performance model and exclusive AI technology and reporting to optimize campaign performance. Visit performcp.com contact today to learn how the team can help you spend your ad dollars more efficiently. Use data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Podcast. On this show, we invite other industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Daniel Ushida, Growth Hacker at Growth Tribe Academy. Daniel, welcome to the Business of Podcast. Thank you, Artun. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, okay, raise your hand. I know I cannot see you, but still... If you ever have an experience, like you look at weekly reports for your app engagement, and you see it's worse than you would hope, then you would expect to, to get the engagement you're hoping for, but you have no idea why. What's the problem? So one of the possible culprits could be an issue with the app user interface. Something is spoiling user experience. And hence, people don't use your app the way that you would hope. Even if you've never had this experience before, chances are you may in the future. So I've got Daniel to give you some practical advice on what to do. But as always on this show, let's talk about you, Daniel, first. Tell us about yourself, please.
1: Sure, definitely. So as uh, you mentioned, my name is Daniel. Uh, I'm a growth hack trainer and also growth hacker at Growth Tribe Academy, Dutch Scale-Up. So basically... My job as a trainer is to help individuals and companies to promote growth in their businesses. So I help startups, people who are already like in their uh, product market fit phase uh, to scale their business, but also uh, huge corporates to scale some new ideas, right? And this also Mm -hmm. goes through helping them in developing uh, ideas and most of the times as well, uh, apps. But I've been as well. Uh, I entrepreneur myself uh, before becoming a trainer here at Growth Tribe. Back uh, in my business, uh, I had a lot of experience uh, working uh, at the education and also consultancy industries uh, back in my uh, home country. And also uh, one of my most successful businesses was an app that I developed back there where I connected entrepreneurs uh, around the country. So they could help each other in their business challenges. So basically a P2P solution where entrepreneurs, uh, they could uh, pose their challenges, help themselves and get value uh, out of this. So also like I quickly uh, scaled uh, this uh, app back there, Uh, went Uh to other countries such as Chile. And now uh, I'm here to help other companies as well to scale their businesses.
0: Great. So you had the first uh, experience being an entrepreneur, you're having your own app, and you have the experience in education. So both these things allow you to be the growth hacker trainer. It's a good combination. Can you talk about the like evolution the app user experience? I mean, it's been more than 10 years since the app revolution took off with the advent of the first app store by Apple back in summer, I guess, 2008. So. What was, the, uh, what was the standard back then and uh, where are we now? Like, what kind of the standard for the app user interface uh, today? What, what people are expecting from an app when they launch it for the first time?
1: Very nice question. So uh, if you think about like, UX uh, and you think about apps as well, and you think about 2008, it looks like a century ago, if you think <laughs> exactly. about it. We had like 500 apps, if I'm not like mistaken, uh, when the uh, Apple Store was launched. And now we have nearly almost like a 2 million apps available, if you think about like Apple Store and also Google uh, Store. So basically, I think that at the beginning when apps they were launched, they had this thing that they wanted to replicate, sometimes websites, or they wanted to replicate and mimic uh, websites uh, on desktop. And uh, well they weren't like very uh, user-friendly, if you think, uh, if you remember them, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, So if you think about like uh, tactics that were used for, uh, I don't know, a user interface, there was a lot of like uh, skeuomorphism. Uh, Oh, yeah. Skeuomorphism is basically when you try to replicate textures and real-life objects to to your design. So mm-hmm. you could see like those calendars, for example, that it looked like you were like exactly using like a calendar. So if you see uh, now, we evolved a lot like uh, for this. Uh, this was very important at the beginning, uh, especially because if you think about a new technology that people weren't like used to, it's a very valid technique to make people more uh, aware on how things should work and what are the actions that people should take. But nowadays that we see like how app technology and also how uh, app user experience has been evolving, how this actually uh, changed a lot. So if you see like apps nowadays, uh, design has become like uh, way more flat uh, as well. We had like a lot of simplification uh, of icons uh, too. So many things are becoming like more, I would say, intuitive uh, for the app user. I think like the first like uh, four or five years for app developers, there was a lot of like uh, trial and error. So many things that uh, uh, we were like still testing and now we kind of already have some, I would say good practices that we should follow in order to execute a proper app that is available but also useful in terms of user experience uh, to the user.
0: Yeah, I think my best, uh, my favorite example from those uh, pre-iOS 7 era was the podcast app. It looked like a type recorder. I think even back then, uh, for a generation, that were using the app. It wasn't like obvious. So what, what kind of skeuomorphic uh, idea was behind that design? But uh, nevertheless, the podcast app looked like the type recorder, tiny one sitting in your iPhone. What about the uh, notion of like uh, onboarding? Like, I don't think I can recall that notion was back then. Like these days I can hear a lot of onboarding process that people start using an app and uh, there's got to be some kind of procedure to make it easier for them to make it obvious, like every step, what are they doing with this app? Like So you can uh, take off the table any possible question. Um, I don't think it was a, a big thing, you know, several years ago now it's kind of a standard right
1: exactly so uh, as i have mentioned uh, the apps they're kind of like reproductions of like the website so they didn't uh, care a lot about like user experience they just wanted to replicate uh, what people could see on desktops but with uh, technology evolving, with like the behavior of the user uh, also like uh, uh, changing, so if you think about how you, you used to uh, use cell phones like uh, 10, 12 years ago, it's totally different when you think about using cell phones three, four, or even like uh, three, four years ago, or even today. So uh, one thing that many people actually notice is that onboarding your user in order to show the value, in order to uh, make it clear. Uh, what is uh, behind that app, it became a very important feature. So uh, this is something that I still see uh, doing like uh, the trainings, some, app, some companies who are building apps uh, also uh, failing on this. They just assume uh, that users will know how to use their apps without any kind of instructions. And usually I say that onboarding nowadays is like one of the most important features that app uh, has to be. Why? because it's it relates uh, with what we call the wow moments, okay? Mm-hmm. So it also shows to the user why that app is actually valuable. So what is the value behind and why should I use that app? And this could be by what is the value proposition of that app and why should I keep it like in my cell phone? Or it could be a more feature-based onboarding, for example. So if you think about like... A, good apps that do like a very good onboardings nowadays. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a favorite one uh, that is Duolingo, uh, the language app where you can learn like new languages. So to me, it has like the, one of the best onboardings uh, nowadays uh, because once you access Duolingo, I don't know if we had the chance uh, to be onboarding on the Duolingo app.
0: I, think I know was- briefly what the app is, but I, n- I never tried like to use it on a daily basis. So no, please tell me.
1: Yeah, so Duolingo is basically an app that uh, you can have like micro lessons on how to learn like a new language. So uh, before I moved to the Netherlands, uh, I had to catch up with some Dutch, of course. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Netherlands is a country that is very like uh, English friendly. And uh, I wanted to to know more about like some words and things that I want to know more about uh, the language. So I downloaded Duolingo. And in the onboarding, uh, it's similar because you download the app and then uh, you just answer some questions about preferences on how you want to learn or how is your level of the language. And then they do like a quick test with you. So to assess your language level. And just after showing you and giving you like personalized options on how you want to run uh, your learning, then they ask you to sign up.
0: Marketers aren't just after impressions or clicks. They want efficient, pay-for-results strategies that convert their ideal audience into loyal users. InterPerform CB, your key to outcome-based user acquisition. Their AI-powered media buying engine and patented technology targets media ideal audience and promotes their brand on high-value placements at the perfect moment, ensuring an optimal user experience. Their team, with our 600 years of collective experience, prioritize marketers' key metrics consistently refining their approach based on their value signals and down funnel events. If you're looking to maximize your ROI and reach high-intent customers, PerformCB is the user acquisition partner you need. This is performcb.com slash contact today. And to create
1: so basically, what, what they are doing this onboarding process is to show you the value that the app that the app has in order to convince you to sign up. Because uh, if you think about the conversion uh, and the retention curve of like uh, apps nowadays, you see that after like two or three days, most uh, of the users they uninstall the apps. Unfortunately, so right? I'm pretty sure that uh, you also had this experience uh, where you uh, downloaded app you thought it was valuable, but once you start to use it, you didn't understand what the app was for, right? Mm -hmm. And this happens to um, many apps and also businesses that actually uh, can show the value proposition, the wow moment, as we call it, uh, to the user right away. So this kind of onboarding that Duolingo has, uh, it's a very good one to promote, especially this activation moment, as we call it, but also long-term retention, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. why? Because it's showing me all of the features, how it works, it's giving me like a personalized learning paths. And they only ask me to sign up after they convince me that it's actually a valuable app. So for sure, when we're talking about onboarding, I think this is like one of the main, I would say, features that were incorporated in user experience like in the last, let's say five, four years in apps. And uh, I still see, uh, as I told you, like uh, many companies
0: and many businesses uh, I would say skipping these important parts. Yeah, I see. So it's it's a very good example. The actual onboarding procedure can be different, but the like uh, the underpinning, the major principles should be the same. Show the value right away. Make sure people do understand what the app does for him and what's the value. Once you get it, you maybe. Uh, you, you won't need to fight him back later on, so he can get back to your app. You can win this battle <laughs> on the day one. All right, now, let's say I'm a business owner and I have an app. What should I do to make sure I'm on top of any problem my app users may experience? And hence, there is a problem I may not be aware of. And once the problem was identified, what are my actions, what are my steps to avoid it in the future?
1: Very good question. So. I had my uh, app myself, uh, my business that was uh, around like an app. And one advice that I can uh, give like to business owners is always be testing, always be talking to the customers. Uh, a mistake that I also see a lot is like uh, people develop an app, they come up with assumptions uh, inside a room or nowadays during like a Zoom meeting, right? Mm-hmm. But they never talk to the customers. They never saw, they never see. The customers actually using that, so they don't understand anything about how is the process uh, of the user and how the user experience actually plays a role. So they think about features, they think about like uh, anything that is, uh, they they think they might add value to the client, but they never ask the customers to see if something is happening. So once you start to adopt this kind of, uh, I would say. Uh, more uh, testing and uh, growth hacking or growth marketing uh, mindsets uh, in order to test constantly, you always be anticipating problems that will be happening. So you won't be surprised by uh, any kind of like uh, problems that might show up.
0: All right. So you have to be ready actually for um, problems because it shouldn't be a surprise for you that actually no matter how hard you're trying to guess the mindset of your user, it's not given, it's not guaranteed that you'll succeed in this effort. You're doing your best, but yet you have to test later to make sure that actually this is the reality. You've guessed it, mindset, right? And the expectations you're assuming your users have are actually real expectations, not the Imaginary ones. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: when we we're talking about like what we call like the experiments, it's very important to do user testing. Okay, so uh, I see, uh, again, a lot of entrepreneurs and also a lot of business uh, launching apps, uh, but uh, without testing since the beginning, Mm -hmm. understanding who are you talking to, uh, what are the problems that your user uh, has? It's fundamental if you want to uh, build a successful user experience for uh, your app and also for your customer. You have to understand what are the problems, what are the routines, and why and what situations actually your user uh, is using your app. Because then you can adjust all of your uh, UI as well to that routine, to that like specific I would say habits that the user has. And always be testing, always be in touch with the customer and running experiments, always to try to improve this like UX is fundamental to be, I would say, or to be anticipating problems that might be happening. So
0: you'll be ahead. You won't be behind the problems. I think I can remember, you know, back like five, six years ago, when I had an experience of working at a marketing agency, it, doing focus group testing was a thing. So to avoid any problem in the future, to avoid this uh, delusion when you're thinking that you've, you've guessed the mindset, right? But actually, that's not the case, you're uh, setting up the uh, testing uh, with this set of, uh, with a number of people who will be, who will be checking your app, its features and reporting on their experience for a given period of time. Is it something that is actually uh, like, this is what people do now? Is, is it still relevant?
1: Yes, I'm uh, personally like a big fan of this kind of qualitative research. So doing these kind of focus groups and also doing like in-depth interviews, uh, they're very good, uh, I would say, uh, resources to try to explore how your user actually uh, is uh, dealing with your app But Mm -hmm. uh, of course, nowadays, we also have some tools uh, that can be used in order to assess, especially trying to do screen recordings, for example. There are some tools that are specialized for apps uh, in order to see how users are behaving when they're using the app, where they're clicking, where they have difficulties in order to go on with the experience. So yes, I wouldn't say that focus groups are a thing like from the past. I Mm -hmm. personally like, uh, like them a lot. But uh, for sure, there are other tools uh, that you can embed in your app that can also bring like some of those insights for you.
0: So, so they are pretty nice, right? I think I, I, I know what you what you mean. There, there are tools that allow you to capture the actual user experience inside the app, like every st- like every action that is taken, and give the detailed report afterwards. Like how much time was spent on the specific screen, what was the um, like. It's the next best thing, being actually next to the person who is trying an app, like recording exactly. his his actions with an app and see what kind of possible problems can arise. I personally ran
1: like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like those kind of like more qualitative tests, uh, like uh, in Loco as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that those like uh, screen recording uh, tools they are very good because it can give you insights if you don't have the time to go outside and actually see your user using your app. But I always recommend actually try to see your user uh, using the app. Why? Because then you can also see how they behave and how they use this in their natural, I would say, uh, environment. And this is very important for right. user experience. So then you can think about uh, all of the features and everything that you will develop based on the reality of your user, the reality of your customer.
0: Okay. Uh, now... What are some of the most common user interface mistakes you can see people do? Um, I mean, um, you know, there's a famous case in 2018, Snap changed the user interface dramatically, interfa- introducing uh, multiple features, multiple changes in the interface that get the huge backlash from the users. So even the huge companies the size of Snap can make uh, mistakes with the user interface. So well what, what what kind of mistakes you would like to uh, lay out that people should avoid be doing
1: all right so i think there are like uh, some things that uh, we could point out over here uh, one thing that annoys me like uh, very much uh, when uh, when we're doing like this kind of uh, uh, research and also uh, uh, evaluating some apps it's when i see like apps text for example, Mm -hmm. so I also think that uh, apps, they have to be intuitive uh, and also the flow of the events, when we are thinking about them, uh, they have to be intuitive for the user. Right. Because again, there is like one principle that we have to follow uh, when you're thinking about like uh, uh, UX is that we have to be as simple as possible and also be clear as possible when we are designing this uh, to to the users. There are other things that I also think uh, are important when you are uh, considering this page speed, for example. So mm-hmm. you think about like app speed, something that uh, you should also uh, be aware. Usually we see like a lot of people working with design for apps in, uh, I would say, more potent uh, smartphones, but also you should consider, especially depending on your user, uh, devices uh, that might be slower. So it's also very detrimental for the user experience uh, as well. And I think that everything that adds uh, extra friction uh, to your UI is something that also you need to bear in mind. Uh, Apps, they need to be as simple as possible, uh, such as business, and also show the value as soon as possible to the users. Because uh, I think this is like the
0: key to success. Gotcha, Daniel. Okay. Uh, Now I've got a few quick questions for you. And here we go. Are you
1: iOS or Android person? Good one. I was Android at the beginning, but uh, now uh, I think uh, I'm totally iOS, for sure.
0: <laughs> so you switched to, okay, the K, <laughs> the platforms. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was yeah. uh, it first... the iOS as a platform or the, the hardware, the iPhone itself?
1: Or both? Uh, it was the iPhone itself. Uh, yeah. So I was a big fan of Android. But then I had the chance to have my first iPhone, I would say like uh, five, six six, or six years ago. And then I would say it was a
0: life-changing event <laughs> for me. <laughs> I see, uh, all right. So uh, do you remember your first mobile phone? First phone, I would say it was a Nokia.
1: Those like uh, big ones that uh-huh. look like uh, uh, bricks that you could <laughs> like uh, throw at the wall and they uh, would still like uh, keep working. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, it was Nokia 1100 that had like those, that white keyboard. Well, I don't
0: think I can I recall that same. one. I think the only one I can recall is yeah. 3210, 30, 30 because it was the most popular one. What about your favorite app now, and why? Favorite app? Let's see.
1: Well, I think that professionally speaking, I'm a big fan of uh, Slack, uh, in terms of usability i like it's like very much uh, for work but personally speaking uh the app that i like the most and i use the most uh i don't know if it's like a little bit surprising but it's pokemon go hmm. so this is like uh i think the app that i spend like most time nowadays also yeah, so sure. i'm trying to mm-hmm. experiment more with uh, tiktok as well it's something that uh uh, I'm trying to get like uh, more info about something that is spending more time, uh, especially because they have a very interesting, I would say, uh, user experience too on how to provide value uh, very quickly and engage you uh, to keep coming back. So it's a very interesting like business model
0: as well. All right. What about kind of the opposite question? What is there any app that you tried and uh, your personal experience was, ah, all that hype? It doesn't deserve it. It's actually it doesn't work for me.
1: Well, specifically one I couldn't name it one, but uh, I can tell you like about apps that I really don't like using, and Mm -hmm. uh, apps that I really don't like using are airline uh, apps. So I think before the pandemic I was traveling a lot, uh, going uh, a lot to other countries. And uh, when you see like some apps from uh, big uh, airlines, uh, I won't mention names, mm-hmm. but you ask yourself what those guys were thinking when they're designing like this app. You know, those guys they also use this app to go to the airport and uh, embark, and it's impossible that they're not thinking about this UX. You know, so this is something that annoys me a lot. I would say most of the airline apps they are very very bad. <sighs>
0: yeah i think i can recall the same experience without naming any specific apps but i definitely hear you um what about new app technologies that you're most excited about what are you waiting for in apps well one technology that i think that is also
1: very nice once we start like developing this more in depth is uh ar so as i just mentioned to you like pokemon go is a big thing for me and uh, I think that AR has like a lot of possibilities. So integrating like the real uh, world around us also with the app, I think this is going to be like a game changer for uh, user experience uh, for apps. So now uh, I was actually trying to uh, buy a couch. The stores were closed. And I don't know if you know, but there is uh, IKEA has also an app uh, with AR. Uh So you can basically put a couch on your room so you can see exactly how it will fit in your room and i think this is actually a, a big game changer especially if you're talking about retail right so right. it allows like uh, a lot of possibilities uh, to engage users during the journey during the experience and also like to make them i'll say take decisions quicker and uh also i think in other technologies the more extensive usage of like data especially if you're talking about machine learning uh, on apps. And again, for those big uh, industries, uh, for retail, for e-commerce, I think this is also going to be like a big changer in
0: a few years. It's not going to take a lot. All right. Got you. Actually, that was the last question. So before I let you go, how people can know more about what you do?
1: Well, you can always uh, access uh, Growth Tribe uh, website. So uh, growthtribe.nl. There you see more about uh, the work uh, we do by educating uh, individuals and uh, companies on uh, growth hacking and how to improve their business and how to scale their business. And also, you're always free to connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. So if you type my name, Daniel Shida, on LinkedIn, find me and uh, I will happily uh, join you for a virtual coffee if you want. Cool,
0: great. Thanks so much for your time and coming on our podcast, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Daniel Ushida, Growth Hiker at Growth Tribe Academy. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com. Marketers aren't just after impressions or clicks; they want efficient pay-for-results strategies that convert their ideal audience into loyal users. Interperform CB, your key to outcome-based user acquisition. Their AI-powered media buying engine and patented technology targets media ideal audience and promotes their brand on high-value placements at the perfect moment, ensuring an optimal user experience. Their team. With over 600 years of collective experience, prioritize marketers' key metrics consistently refining their approach based on their value signals and down funnel events. If you're looking to maximize your ROI and reach high-intent customers, PerformCB is the user acquisition partner you need. Visit performcb.com contact today.